This is the Conduit Church Teaching Podcast. Thanks for joining us. It's our mission to be a conduit of Jesus to the community in front of us and the world around us, starting with the teaching of His Word. Enjoy the message. Would you open your Bibles to the book of uh, John, chapter 16? Um, last year, was it last year? I don't remember now. My wife and I uh, went to a little place in Florida called the Blessing Ranch, which is a terrible name, by the way. It was like, is this a cult that you've gotten us into? Like, what's happening? But it's a little place that they just take pastors and wives in for like counseling. Like, here's how to be a pastor and here's how to not blow your life up. And it's like a, it's, it's a, it's an intensive, it's a whole week. And, uh, so I, I go into this thing and, and the lady's name, her, uh, little doctor, her name is Charity, which was ironic because she wasn't that charitable to me. Uh, she seemed to like Shannon a whole lot more than me, which we can understand why. Um, but uh, I'm in there now, and so we're kind of introducing ourselves, and what are we here for? And I, and I, I start saying, well, look, you know, I, you know, I, don't, I don't beat my wife. Uh, I, don't, I don't yell at her. I've, I've not been unfaithful. You know, I just feel like, why are we always working on me, you know? I'm 30 years in, can we work on her now? Like, can we work? We're always working on me. And, uh, and she said something along the lines of, do you see how low of a bar you have set for what a successful marriage is? <laughs> You've literally given yourself the bare minimum so you didn't you know, have sex with your secretary. Congratulations, right? Like That's the very, very minimum of all of this. You don't get an attaboy for that. Now, that. That's a paraphrase, but that's really what she was saying to me. And in that moment, I had this thing where, okay, I knew that knowledge in my head, but it, all of a sudden what I knew to be true suddenly became real. And that's the job of a good, there's a lot of really bad counselors, but the good one takes information that you already, I already knew kind of what, I knew that to be true. Like I knew that was a low bar. But when I said it out loud and in front of her, it was like, oh, that's what, that's the job of a counselor. And the Holy Spirit in John chapter 16, Jesus uses, or John uses a word called paraclete. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Parakletos is a word that we, it's hard to translate. Uh, it's a word that's used in a legal context. It's sometimes translated comforter. Sometimes it's translated advocate. Uh, some is helper. Like there's all different words because all of them are accurate, but one of them is counselor. A counselor and the work of the Holy Spirit, part of the work of the Holy Spirit is to take what you know to be true and to make it real in your life. That's part of the work of the Spirit. Many of us, probably everybody in this room would say, I believe that heaven is real. I know that to be true. The Holy Spirit's job is to make that real to us. Because if we really, if it was real to us, we would live differently if it was real. That's just one example of where the Holy Spirit has work to do in all of our lives. And in John chapter 16, we're just going to read verses 12 through 15 for this beginning. But I want to show you what, how he introduces this to them when he says, uh, verse 12, I have much more to say to you, much more now than you can bear. But when he, remember he, we're getting our pronouns, everybody's worried about pronouns, the Holy Spirit is a he. The spirit of truth will come. He will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. 
He will guide you. Wait a minute, I can't even hardly see this. I'm gonna have to up, I've got to up this prescription on these glasses. (laughs) He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. He will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from him that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said, the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. This is Bible speak, but it's really what he's saying. He will make known to us, known. In other words, it becomes real. It's no longer information. It's now real. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, would you give us wisdom today of your word? Would you give us insight into what your promises are for us? And in a sermon about the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, we need you. We ask you to move, to speak, to to make real, to make true in our own hearts what we know to be true, but make it real in us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. It's uh, a true part of life that the most beautiful experiences, the most uh, meaningful, purposeful experiences in our lives come at the end of some of the hardest roads. Many of us know that already. You've had some hard paths. Some of you are on a hard path. And at the end of that, generally speaking, almost without fail, there are amazing things that have happened on those paths. I just experienced this last week in Peru with my son, who is here somewhere, um, we went to Machu Picchu, okay? This ancient civilization, this ancient city, and, uh, and you can take a bus to the Machu Picchu, which we did, but above Machu Picchu is this thing that looks like Mordor. I don't know how else to explain it. Like, it's like this giant, thousands of feet tall rock outcropping mountain, and if you want to, you can hike up Mordor to look down on Machu Picchu It's all for the gram, right? You know what I'm saying? So I'm looking at this going, okay, that's ridiculous, but I'm not going to let my 17-year-old son show me up on this. So my, I did it. I'm like, and and here's the thing. When I say at the end of the hardest path, look, look, this is the path that we took. (laughs) Turns out oxygen is important. And there's not enough of it there. Rebecca asked me earlier, do you want to put the audio in? And I, which I appreciate. She's trying to protect my dignity. Uh, but I'm 50. I, you know, I've been to a proctologist. I've got no dignity left. That's been long gone. But, uh, but I wanted you to hear how huffing and puffing I was. Like, it was like, it was awful. But man, at the end of that, and I'm about to show you a picture of, the, now this is the, uh, there's a, the seven wonders of the ancient world. I'm going to show you a picture of the ancient world. And then I'm, there's going to be a picture. This is the same picture. There's going to be one of the seven wonders of the modern world. And you tell me which one is which. Ethan's abs are a seven, uh, one of the seven wonders of the modern world. And you, if you, you get all caught up in the abs and you miss the fact that that's Machu Picchu behind there. Uh, and the amount of Costco chicken, we should do the math on this. Thousands, at least, of dollars of Costco chicken to make those abs. I mean, he's working out, don't get me wrong, but it takes a lot of chicken. He can eat, plow through some chicken. So we, at the end of this journey, we're standing over the top of this Mordor, looking down on Machu Picchu, and it was 
incredible. Like I can't even begin. You know how it is. If you've been, you've traveled. I know a lot of you have traveled and there's not a single photograph that you ever take that like, that it captures it all, right? You go, you had to be there. And I'm just telling you, you had to be there. If you ever get a chance to do that, God is so good. And by the way, this was pretty cool. This is a this, is a, this was at the end of another hike where there was a lot of breathing. Um, the Incas have created a city that was also a compass and a sundial and a calendar all in one. This was right near the summer equinox, 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 what did we say? Um, and you can kind of see there's a road right here that when the sun hits the summer equinox, that road, that beam matches exactly on that road. It literally is a straight line down that road on the summer equinox. There's a winter equinox. There's one other thing. And it's literally based on, and thousands of years ago, they built this as a calendar. So they knew what the days were just based on that, which was really cool. And again, at the end of a very long journey. Now in that journey, I had, we had a map. We had a complimentary brochure. And let me tell you how much good that does when you're hiking up uh, uh, these stairs where there's like a thousand foot drop on one side. It does zero good. Because I don't know how much further we have to go. In fact, while we're going up, people are coming down. And if Ethan, you probably remember, there's like some people are saying, oh, it's like five more minutes. Some people, it's an hour more. Some people like turn around. It's awful. It's terrible. Others are like, oh, keep pressing through. There was all kinds of information coming at us and we didn't know which, what of it was true. And what is the Holy Spirit's job? The spirit of truth. Now we had with us a guide. His name was Andreas. He looked a lot like Sean Connery in the hunt for Red October a Latin version. He had no idea who it was. So you got, ironically, Alec Baldwin. (laughs) If you're visiting, you're like, that's who he looks like. (laughs) Been thinking all day. Just know this. I actually know how to use a gun. (laughs) Sorry. It's 5 p.m. What are you going to do? You can't fire me. I don't even work here. <laughs> um, so you got the hunt for Red October. And Andres, like, he's our guide. He's with us. He's our comforter. He's like, no, no, you got 20 minutes. You got an hour. He, he has been on this path. He is with us. And he is the guide. He is the advocate. He's our comforter. And as long as he is with us, we know how long we have to go. We know how far we've come. We know how to be safe because we have our guide with us. And Jesus was saying to his disciples that the reason why it's going to be better for you that I leave is because you have to be right next to me for that to happen. See, there was probably 25 or 30 of us making this hike. So Andreas let's say Sean Connery for the sake of entertainment and edification. Sean Connery, he can't be with all of us at the same time. I mean, there was one little young couple, like marathon people from, uh, are you marathon people? Congratulations or whatever. He, these guys ran up the hill. Like they made it in 40 minutes. It was unbelievable. Well, they didn't have Andreas with them, right? So, you know, we were, I will say this, and I'm very happy about this. I was not the last one up. You know what I'm saying? Right there in the meaty part of the curve. I wasn't showing off, not, you know, but also not falling behind. Like, I'm there. But I needed Andreas with me, but he wasn't there all the time. So what Jesus is saying about the Holy Spirit is that you have to, in my human form, 
I can only be with you when you're with me, but with the Holy Spirit, I'm with you always. You don't have, like Andreas could be with all of us all at the same time. That's what, it's better that Jesus is, right? That Jesus is beside you when he was on earth, but they were having to kick down doors. They're having to go through roofs. But the Holy Spirit inside you means that we're all in the front of the line. It's such a gift. And that's why he's saying, I know you're sad, but I'm sending you this other counselor. And this other counselor is going to tell you, is going to lead you into truth. And he is, in these few verses we have, in the little bit of time we have, he talks about the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He speaks about the power of the persuasion of the Holy Spirit in our lives and what the purpose of the Holy Spirit specifically for believers is in our everyday lives. When I talk about his presence, I have told you this so that you will not fall away. You see, Andreas was able to tell us where we were on the path when he was beside us. But there were those who listened to the people coming down the hill and turned away. And they didn't make it to the top. They thought they had too far to go. They didn't think they could make it. They're holding onto that rope, looking at the thousand foot drop, going, mm-hmm. I will say this we think weird things when you don't have oxygen. And one of the things I was thinking was, okay, I'd rather take the thousand foot drop. Because at least you get, first of all, you got a beautiful view for like 1.8 seconds, and then it's just over. The 50-foot one, that's going to involve some writhing, and I am not a good, I don't like writhing at all. Like, I'm not pro-writhing at all. I don't want to be laying on the ground for like a couple hours and then die anyway where they got a helicopter. I'd rather just be over. So that was one of the things I was thinking, I want the, I want the whole thing. If we're going to go down, I'm going to go down. Uh, on the other hand, if, uh, if Ethan went down, I'm going to have to jump after him because there's no way I'm coming home and facing his mom and say that I let him fall off of Machu Pupu. Like, there's no way that we're doing that. I've said this though that you won't fall away. The Holy Spirit inside of you puts you and I in a position to know where we have to go. He says in Acts 1-8, to be a, I'm going to give you power to be my witnesses. The Holy Spirit is to keep us from falling away. Jesus, this is his last hours of his life. When you're on your deathbed, there is no small talk. You're not talking about the score. You're not talking about the weather. You're not talking about dinner. These are the things that you're going to need to know when I'm gone. And the first thing he says and talks about is I'm sending you another comforter, a Holy Spirit that'll be with you every step of the way. It's amazing when you think about it because he didn't send us a roadmap. He didn't give us a blueprint because in many places, in many situations, you already have the information you need. Right? I knew that not beating my wife was like not a big deal. Like that's just the bare minimum of being a husband. I knew that. But the guide was saying, yeah, but that's a pretty low bar to celebrate. You don't get a party for that. It made it real. And the Holy Spirit in our lives makes real that kind of information. So trying to get more information, trying to go to another seminar, trying to do another online course, another coach, those things are all great. But the Holy Spirit says, yeah, that's great. But what are you going to do with this information? How are you going to make it real to you? Giving us a roadmap with data attached to it ignores the fact, if that's all he gives us, that we humans are not just intellectual, we are emotional creatures. You can't logic yourself a problem out of a problem you didn't logic yourself into. 
Do you know what I mean? And the Holy Spirit's job in our lives, if we'll let him and invite him into that, is to comfort us, is to take those things that we know to be true. I mean, many of you, when, you know, from your childhood or you've had these messages that you, literally, you could, it's factually inaccurate. Like the idea now that I'm on my own, that's a factually inaccurate statement. And the Holy Spirit makes it real inside of me that, no, no, I'm, I'm surrounded by people that have come to be with me. And he's telling his disciples, verse three, they're gonna, this is gonna be a hard road you're on. They're gonna put you out of the synagogue. They're, it's not just you got kicked out of church, it's you're kicked out of life. You're gonna lose financial opportunities. You're gonna be marginalized. You're gonna be mocked. You're gonna need, there's an emotional component to that and we've seen it in our nation that if it gets too hard, we tend to wanna just walk away because I don't wanna speak up because people are gonna marginalize me so I'd rather just not say anything. And Jesus is saying, hey, look, that's not an option, but I've got a comforter here with you that's going to walk you through this, comfort you, encourage you, and so that you won't fall away, that you won't shut your mouth when your mouth should be open speaking the truth. I've told you this, verse four, so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you, but now I'm going to him who sent me. In other words, he's the guide. He, he was the guide keeping him on, but now I'm going to send you. I'm going, but I'm sending you this one so that he can be with you. None of you ask me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly, I tell you, it is good for you that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, the counselor, the comforter, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. See, in our world... The idea of a counselor right now, I mean, I don't know if there's generations of us that we, you know, if you probably your grandmas or grandpas, maybe grandmas and grandpas in here, you kind of scoff at the idea of a counselor, right? You just suck it up, buttercup. And there are others that are, you're, you're like data-driven people. It's all about the facts, which parenthetically, that's kind of me. Like, I'm a data guy. Like, you could be, you know, I, I just want to know what the real problem is so I can be sad or mad about that. I just want to know what the data says. But the fact of the matter is, is I'm not a data creature. I'm a human being created, Elohim, in the image of God. And that's why AI robots are not going to be the future of our world. Uh, the idea right now in Silicon Valley is that if we can just get rid of our feelings, get rid of our emotional side, if we can just get, because they would say that's what's weak. That's what Joe Rogan says. That's what's wrong with us. It's what Elon Musk is. If I can put this little chip in your head, by the way, hard pass on that. I mean, Keith, you're a technologist. I don't know, but I, you open, how long has it been since you bought an iPhone, right? And it, all of a sudden the battery doesn't last as long. Suddenly, you know, this is not working anymore and you got to get a new one. No, thank you. But part of what they're saying is that to evolve as a human is to evolve away from those things that make us weak. And what they say makes us weak is actually what makes us human. We are created in the image of God. God gets angry. God gets sad. God is joyful. And emotion is not a flaw. It is what God gave us to deal with life on life's terms. And what these AI, this is really fun. They actually, when you put the UN and robots in the same article, I swear to you, I am trying to not be a conspiracy guy. I, I'm trying so hard. 
you know, but when Donald Jr. buys a house or buys a building and the address is 666 Manhattan Avenue, Google it, they're 100% true. Like, I'm trying to not be, but you buy a house and it's 666. Like, I just, that's making it hard. You throw a robot, right, in a UN conference and uh, AI, I'm like, okay, look, I'm trying, but you guys are not making it easy. But they interviewed the robots at the UN event. Asked about whether they might make better leaders given humans' capacity to make errors, Sophia, one of the robots, was clear. We can achieve great things. Humanoid robots have the potential to lead with a greater level of efficiency and effectiveness than human leaders, it said. Now, I do respect that they got that pronoun right. A robot is not a he or she, it's an it. That is a fact. We don't have the same biases or emotions that can sometimes cloud decision-making and can process large amounts of data quickly in order to make the best decisions. In March of 2020, a bunch of quote-unquote data people made decisions without emotion and killed millions of children in Africa by shutting the world down. No thank you. Emotion, compassion should have said, we cannot afford to starve these children so that the laptop class in the West can stay home and order DoorDash. Robots go on. They start talking to Ida. And she, I think it's a, they said she, but it's an it. Uh, Let's say this. My great moment is already here about halfway down. I'm ready to lead the charge for a better future for all of us. Let's go and make, uh, let's go and get wild and make this world our playground, it said. This, This is like an Orwellian movie, like unfolding in front of our eyes. Ada said, just a few verse, or a paragraphs down. Ada said, it's not conscious, but understood that feelings were how humans experienced joy and pain. Emotions have a deep meaning, and they are not just simple. I don't have that, it said. I can't experience them like you can. Now, here's an irony in this. I am glad that I cannot suffer. It just said I don't have emotions, and now says it's glad that it can't suffer. with no sense of irony. My point is very simple. Data and science is not going to make you free. That's why God didn't send us data, didn't send us science. God sent us a person, and his name is the Holy Spirit, to guide us, to comfort us. J.D. Greer said it this way, that the Holy Spirit inside of us is better than Jesus beside us. And it's simply because if you, on earth, if it's Jesus in his human form, he can only be with one of us at a time. And we're going to be back to kicking down doors and digging through ceilings, pushing through crowds. But we don't have to because we are now the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit inside of us. So that's the first thing, right? The presence of the Holy Spirit inside of us as a comforter, as a counselor to lead us and to guide us like Sean Connery on Machu Picchu. But it's not just the presence of him inside of us, but it's his persuasion all around us. The persuasion that I'm talking about is it says that he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness and of judgment. Those are the three things that the Holy Spirit convicts the world of. If you are in Christ, 
If Jesus is in you, believed in him, and the Holy Spirit is inside of you, his job is not to convict you of sin. You've already been convicted of sin. Now, by the way, doesn't it say sin singular, right? I'm not making that up, not sin plural, because there's only one sin that the Holy Spirit is convicting the world of, and that sin, Matthew 12, calls it the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. It's not believing that Jesus is who he said he is. He says this, convicting of sin because, right, convicting of sin because why? Because they do not believe on him. That is the sin that he's convicting the world of. And the reason is, is that all, every other sin, every other broken thing in our lives starts with not believing on him. Making our identity a sin as opposed to making our identity as a son and a daughter of the king. Our world has become to the point where at least the Western world where we've sort of tapped out on admitting something is a sin and instead identifying with that sin. The question is asked, can I be gay and be a Christian? And I would ask, are you saying, can I struggle with same-sex attraction and be a Christian? Or are you saying, can I say that I am this identity and be a Christian? Because if I made the sin my identity, that is a sin of not believing that Jesus is who he said he is. And that is across the board. If you've got a problem with anger and rage and you know that in your life, that if you at some point just wave the white flag and say, that's just who I am. That's just how I'm created. I can't help it. You are now making your identity the sin and not your relationship with the Father above. And Jesus, believing in him, it's not that we're not going to struggle with the sin. It's that when I just wave the white flag and say, you know what, this is just who I am. I can't help it. That is, Paul talks over and over again about struggling against sin, struggling with sin. If you stop the struggle and make it your identity, then you no longer are believing or you don't believe that Jesus is who he said he is because none of us are heterosexual, none of us are gay. We are children of God. There are descriptions of our behaviors, but they are not the identity of our nature. And in the kingdom of God, if you believe on who he is, then I would say that whatever he says is a sin is a sin because he's the one that made me. He's the one that created me. So to not only give into it, but make it my identity, that's because I don't believe he is who he said he is. And he goes on to say, and to convict the world about righteousness, because now I go to my father. Righteousness simply because I go to my father, meaning that I'm righteous, uh, that I'm convicting the world of righteousness. You're right and wrong. Your definition of right, which is all righteousness is, is being right, right with God. If you're deciding it's the sin, right, the, in the original sin in the garden, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was a simple thing, which is that now I get to decide what is good and evil. And God is saying, no, you don't. I created you. I designed you. I know what is good. I know what is evil. When I decide what is good and what is evil and not God, I am making myself God and not him. Does that make sense? I'm going to convict them of righteousness, right? And then I'm going to convict them of judgment. And you're thinking, now, Darren, that's great, because now we're at the hellfire and the brimstone part. That's what I've been waiting for. 
because the prince of this world is judged. Your judgment as a follower of Jesus was met out on the cross on Christ. And by believing in him, by receiving that gift, Christ now is what God sees when he sees you. Are you stumbling? Yeah. But as long as you're stumbling towards redemption and not away from it. You can take the judgment with the prince of this world with Satan, or you can take the judgment of Christ on the cross. Those are the only two options. And it's really a no-brainer when you think about it, to receive the judgment of Christ who took the judgment for you on the cross. And the last thing that I want to show you is the purpose of the Holy Spirit. He says, I've got much more to say to you, much more than you can now bear. And you're like, yeah, Darren, that's because it's 6.15. You better not have much more to say to me because I can't bear much more. It's dinner time. <laughs> True story. You should, never, you should always be concerned when you see a skinny preacher because he's not hungry. Do you know what I'm saying? When you got a, when you got a full-figured guy up there, he's hungry. He's been thinking about dinner since lunch. So you know that I'm not, I am well aware of what time it is. But I want you to see this. The purpose of the Holy Spirit in your life is about much more to say to you, much more than you can bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, right, he is going to lead you into all truth. He is going to make real what you already know from his word. Now, when it comes to the idea of even a counselor in general. Some of you have never been to one. Some of you have spent an enormous amount of money on counselors and probably everything in between. But even if you don't believe in counseling, if you don't believe that you should ever go to a counselor, that those are their people that believe that, know this, that culture, without a, without a counselor, your culture, whatever culture you're in, is offering you counsel. Your culture is a counselor. The traditional counseling of, of, of a culture, traditional culture, that counseling is, we're Gen X, so it's kind of a little bit of ours and the generation ahead of us was real simple. The counsel from our culture was, suck it up, buttercup, pull yourself up by the bootstraps, make it happen, do your duty, be that. And if you do that, then you'll be free. And that crept into a lot of our faith walk because that was what the culture was telling us. Work, 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 don't complain, work some more, pull yourself up by the bootstraps. That's what traditional culture would counsel us. And then comes modern, uh, the 90s, the 2000s. Modern that said, look inside of you. Every Disney movie out there is counseling us to look inside. And once you see inside, then you'll find meaning and purpose and, and spray ice out of your hands and be whatever the little princesses want you to be, right? Look inside. That's what modernity would tell us. But then something happened sometime around 10 years ago, maybe, depending, I guess California, you guys probably saw it way before we did. It just made it to Tennessee about 10 years ago. And that was not modern, but postmodern. So modern says, look inside. There's a standard inside of you. If you can just discover what it is, then you can finally have purpose and meaning. Postmodernity says, there is no standard. Just be whatever you want on that day. And we've seen what that does for a society. You see the traditional counsel, right, from our culture, traditional pull yourself up by the bootstraps just literally makes us all a bunch of AI robots in the kingdom of God who are automatons. The modern 
to look inside, put them in a place where they're just, uh, what if I guess wrong? You may or may not know this, but right now in the United States, somewhere north of 30 to 32% of teenagers identify as bisexual. And that just happened in the last three years. It just skyrocketed. But it makes sense because if look inside, you're going to, what if you guess wrong? So I'm just going to hedge my bets and say I'm both taken care of. And of course, what's happened is we've got an entire generation of kids who are overwhelmed and anxious and exhausted and, and on medication and scared and alone because they, they don't want to guess wrong. And the postmodern council is literally destroying people's lives. It's what we're seeing mostly in the trans movement right now, which is not an integration with yourself, but an actual disintegration of yourself. To, to name names, I, I, I hesitate, but there was a piece in the Wall Street Journal. No, it was the Washington Post a few months back about Demi Lovato. Do you remember Demi Lovato, this beautiful young singer and actress, and it was wildly successful, and she bought into this idea, and it's nothing, it's not a slight against her. She was just doing what her culture told her to do, which is just whatever you feel like today, be. So she changes her pronouns one day, and then she changes them again, and now we're supposed to keep up with the pronouns, but I didn't know we changed them because you didn't send the memo. I didn't get it. If you did, my fax machine didn't have one, but I'm getting in trouble because I didn't keep up, but in her own life, the disintegration, because she talks in this article about the, the depression and the fear and the medication and how alone she felt. Because, and you can look at, I mean, I don't mean to be crass, but you can see the images of how she started and what she looks like. And what you see is literally the decline and the descent and the destruction and the disintegration of what a postmodern council will tell us. And Jesus in the Holy Spirit is saying, Traditional counseling is not going to do it. Modern is not going to do it. That's not what I'm offering. Postmodern is not going to. It's going to destroy your life. That he, I don't. That none of those work. The what works is the counsel of the Holy Spirit inside of you, pointing you and me back to our Creator. He says, "I'm going to go to the Father, and I'm going to everything that I know now. He's going to make known to you." In fact, we jump into the 17, the glory that I have inside of me, the purpose, the meaning, the weight that I have inside of me, I'm going to give it to you, John 17, 4. And glory is a word that we use for biblical things, glory to God in the highest. It's a word that means weight, heft, purpose, meaning Jesus is in the way that I have been glorified. Now glorify them. And that thing that we are searching for to make us integrated with who we are that can't come from traditional or modernism or postmodernism can only come from the Father through the Holy Spirit inside of us. Because if you and I live in the way that we were designed to live, to be who God created us to be, looking not inside for who we are, but looking outside to the creator, and then living and standing in that. I'm here to tell you, I'm a 52-year-old guy, and I have lived a way where it's not all rainbow and you know, sunshine and butterflies and all that, but I live in a way now where I feel a purpose and a meaning in my life that I never got from anything else that wasn't from my job, my career, from how much money we did or didn't make, but from knowing that I am who he says I am, that the God of the universe punched through the space-time continuum, became one of us, not just a, a white trash guy going around the world to drill a well for a kid in Africa, but the God of the universe coming all the way here, making himself one of us, 
to rescue me and take me home. And he did it not because he had to, but because he wanted to. That's the Holy Spirit's job to remind me of that. For God so loved Brett Carnally that he sent his only begotten son. Do you know how much meaning and purpose that could give us if we would just take it from our heads into our hearts? That I don't have to try to please my neighbors anymore. I don't have to try to say what is not say what is true to make people not get mad at me. I can look to the only eyes of the universe that matter and know they look back at me with love and with compassion accepts me just the way I am and loves me too much to let me stay that way. That's the God of the universe. Stand to your feet. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for being so good to us. Bless these folks for being patient tonight, for being here at Sunday at 5 p.m. Bless them. Special blessing for that. Lord, be with us as we travel tomorrow. Keep us safe. And Holy Spirit, in this room of brothers and sisters, I pray tonight that you'll make yourself real to them, to be counseling with them, to speak truth to them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want to say one more thing. The Holy Spirit will never tell you anything or say anything that contradicts this Bible. I say that because there are pastors in this town. One of them is a guy named Stan Mitchell who uses this passage to say that, well, now we know more. He said, we're going to know more someday. And the Holy Spirit said, we're going to know more. And now we know that we can accept all kinds of behavior because the Holy Spirit's going to reveal it to us later in our life. The Holy Spirit will never, he said, I'm going to only tell you what Jesus said. So if you're hearing something from the Holy Spirit and it's not what Jesus said in this Bible, it is not the Holy Spirit. Do you understand? I want to be very clear about that. So you're dismissed.